Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, soulmates. Plenty to discuss, as always. On this Wednesday, January 4th, 2023, I have to remember that. Welcome to Fox Souls Black Report. I'm Courtney Hicks. And I'm Nicordelai Corte. We are honored to stand behind this desk each day to take you on a journey mm -hmm. across black America and the stories that impact our people. That's right. We're going to continue to bring you our news, our views, and our voice. Topping uh, news today, a tragedy for a beloved husband. The hunt is on for a heartless killer. A man is wanted for killing an innocent woman as he stole her car here in Detroit. Fox 2's Jessica Dupnik has more from the victim's devastated husband. She was special, amazing. She, she was my rock. And now his wife, Tracy Golden, is gone. I really can't explain them because if you've never lost a spouse, you, you wouldn't know that, that feeling. It's new to me. This video, the final moments of her life. Wednesday, she stopped into the Beverage One liquor store off Grand River near Outer Drive. Detroit police say a man ambushes her, shooting Tracy in the chest. He rifled through her pockets, then drove off in her SUV. In her final moments, she told the responding officer, call my husband, John. She knew she was always my heart from 86 to 2000 infinity. So my heart. Their story, a true love story. College sweethearts going separate ways and rekindling their romance after 30 years to get married after all. Anyone that knows her and knows me and know our relationship, we were one. Tracy leaves behind a 19-year-old daughter who tells Fox 2 she is surrounding herself with family and friends too broken to speak with us. Sadly, Tracy died at Sinai Grace Hospital where she worked for years as a respiratory therapist. Coworkers looked on as she was rushed into the ER where she died. And before her murder, a beloved union steward. I had no idea how many people loved my wife. Tracy's SUV was found abandoned in the parking lot of a Detroit dollar store. Investigators are scouring for the suspect from that video of Tracy's final moments. We asked John if he had anything to say to the shooter. Uh, I can't say nothing. Uh, come on in, bro, Be, before it's too late. Just a, a absolute heartbreaking story. Detroit police are asking for the public's help and released a message over the weekend saying if anyone is helping harbor this shooter, they will be charged as well. Now to the latest with Damar Hamlin. Family members say the 24 year old is sedated and on a ventilator but say doctors are working to get him breathing on his own. Outside the hospital, his uncle spoke to the NFL Network, saying the family is taking things day by day and called the injury heartbreaking. Kind of day by day, um, they still have him on a ventilator, so once he gets out of the ICU, I'll feel better myself, you know, but um, they're just continuing to, to administer the medical care and, um, you know, we'll just keep going, like I said, with it day by day until he gets better. Our thoughts and prayers are with Hamlin and his family. Uh, doctors say uh, there's uh, plenty to, to 
really focus on here, and so uh, we're going to continue to keep our eye on this. There is, and we're going to take a, a closer look now at the fallout from this particular story. As doctors do say, it was CPR and an AED, an automatic external defibrillator that saved Hamlin's life. Experts say these kinds of machines are found in a lot of public places for emergencies, just like the one that took place Monday night. And now there's a push to have more people learn how to use them. Then them frantically administering CPR. After DeMar Hamlin's terrifying public collapse during Monday night's Bills Bengals game, doctors say it's important that everyone knows what to do to help save a person's life. Most cardiac arrests are going to happen in the home. So 80% of them are going to happen in the home. 20% is what you'll see, like what we saw last night, which are in public spaces, public arenas. Dr. Fourier Ikiator is a physician at Lifesavers ER. She says while it may be shocking to witness someone suffer cardiac arrest, using an AED machine within the first three minutes can increase their survival by up to 70%. Being able to shock a patient or defibrillate the heart to jumpstart it, you're not fixing the underlying cause. It's not a life-sustaining um, remedy, but it's going to get them their heart back beating and get them to the hospital um, so that um, a physician or an interventionalist can go in and try to get to the underlying cause of things. Dr. Fourier says even an untrained person could intervene. Remove clothes from patient's chest. Open gray plastic case and peel off white adhesive pads. Peel one white pad from the gray case. Place pad exactly as shown. Stay clear of patient. Analyzing heart. No shock advised. All right, good information there. Now, in addition to most AEG machines, sporting events are required to have a trained medical person on site in case of emergencies, but doctors are encouraging everyone to become certified and says it only takes about an hour to complete those courses. Good information. I know I probably need to brush up on my manual CPR skills. Yeah. I haven't practiced that in a very long time, but the world that we're living in now with these type of emergencies that you just don't see coming, um, it's good to, to, to level up and, and know some of these things. Yeah, I mean, I've never seen anybody use that machine, Me and so neither. I was absolutely fascinated to, to see that once you open it up, mm -hmm. uh, there's actually a voice that you know gives you instructions in terms of right. you know what to do to make sure you don't hurt yourself or, or hurt the person that you're trying to help. And mm -hmm. so, you know, the fact that it only takes an hour, mm -hmm. it only takes an hour to uh, get certified in, in using the AED. And so um, this new year, that is what I intend to okay, do. Okay, we'll put it on the list. Uh, inspired by uh, uh, Brother Hamlin, uh, mm -hmm. and, you know, I think it's important for us to, uh, you know, pray with our hands and pray with our feet. And so I, I'll be uh, praying with my feet as I walk over yeah. to an AED yeah. course to get certified. Yeah. And speaking of praying, let's continue to do just that for uh, Tracy Golden's uh, family. Just a heartbreaking story. Yeah. Uh, that uh, incident happened not too far from my home. Matter of fact, I love a donut shop that's right across the street from that uh, from that store. She, I didn't know her personally, but she is a friend of a friend. You know, social media mm -hmm. will bring you together and show you all kind of ties. And it was just a heartbreaking story. And uh, I hope they are able to bring uh, that young man in question uh, to justice. Uh, and get some justice for her family as they try to um, begin maybe the healing process. Just, um, just a horrifying story. You, 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 you rush to the hospital and you die where you work. She was mm -hmm. a respiratory uh, therapist, beloved by the community and family, and uh, this one really hurts. Uh, as do most uh, when we have to report stories like this. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're going to keep it moving. A man who opened fire on a Brooklyn subway train last year, wounding 10 passengers, pleaded guilty to federal terrorism charges. Frank James, who posted online that he was, quote, prophet of doom, appeared in court yesterday and admitted to pulling the trigger on the Manhattan bound train as it moved between stations. That happened back on April 12th of last year. The 63 year old had previously vowed to fight those charges. The governor of the U.S. Virgin Islands has fired the attorney general of the U.S. territory and many say it's because of her most recent lawsuit. The removal of Denise George comes just days after she filed a lawsuit against J.P. Morgan Chase in New York and accused the company of helping Epstein finance the illegal exploitation of women and children in the U.S. Virgin Islands and beyond. 
Governor Albert Bryan Jr. did not provide a reason for relieving George of her duties in a statement Sunday saying only that she would be replaced by Assistant Attorney General Carol Thomas Jacobs. And to Maryland now where Governor Larry Hogan swore in the state's new Attorney General. Now the ceremony for newly appointed Anthony Brown uh, happened at the State House in Annapolis. Brown is the first African-American Attorney General elected in Maryland. He said he will be tough on crime, fight for civil rights, and will investigate police departments for misconduct. Meanwhile, what's happening in D.C. here right now is something that hasn't been seen in a century. And the House will just have to keep up. Uh, we'll have to keep at this mm -hmm. until someone, someone, somebody <laughs> comes up with enough votes. House stands adjourned until noon tomorrow. And with that, the House threw in the towel yesterday after three votes that never got Republican Speaker nominee Kevin McCarthy over the finish line. Look, I, I have the record for the longest speech ever on the floor. I don't have a problem getting a record for the most votes for speaker, too. Thank you all. You have to go back to 1923 to see this kind of drama when a speaker wasn't elected on the first ballot. But McCarthy is facing a wall of fellow Republicans who are blocking his ascension, demanding rules changes and committee assignments. And that opposition actually grew by the final ballot of the day as Florida's Byron Donalds added his voice. Once it becomes clear that McCarthy doesn't have the votes, then you have to start thinking about alternatives. He and other GOP holdouts are backing Ohio's Jim Jordan for speaker, but Jordan supports McCarthy. He may not want it right now, but George Washington did not want to be president. He did what was right for his country. Frustration is growing among McCarthy's supporters. This is really an inside baseball D.C. swamp. <laughs> kind of exercise in total BS. Democrats have unanimously backed their own candidate, New York's Hakeem Jeffries, who said what's playing out now is chaos. Sad day for democracy. It's a sad day for the American people. And Republicans have to be careful here to make sure that they keep their members on the floor. If Democrats find themselves with a majority, they could elect the speaker themselves. Okay, Nikolai, in all of your political pundit splendor, <laughs> break this down for the layperson, for folks like me. You, you went bananas yesterday like, this is, is <laughs> unprecedented. And I'm sitting there like, why? So just explain to us a little bit what, what's, what's happening, what this fight, what this rub is all about. So what happened in November? We saw that, that Republicans won a majority in the House of Representatives. And so the Republican caucus uh, you know, gets to elect the next speaker. That's why Nancy Pelosi is no longer uh, the Speaker of the House. Uh, the Republicans select uh, the speaker. And uh, Kevin McCarthy hasn't been shy about mm -hmm. saying he wants to be speaker. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, his Republican members are putting him through it. The most extreme wing of the Republicans in the House of Representatives, you know, are, are drawing a lot of um, concessions mm -hmm. out of uh, Kevin McCarthy. And one of those concessions was, you know, the, op the opportunity to, to elect a new speaker uh, with, you know, as few as five or few votes in order to do that. And so it really waters down the power uh, of the speaker. And this is not good, you know, for democracy because, you know, when it comes to passing, you know, run-of-the-mill bills in the House of Representatives, whether we're talking about, you know, raising the debt ceiling mm -hmm. or, you know, just sort of passing things that, you know, shouldn't be controversial. Uh, this minority group of Republicans, you know, are going to extract a pound of flesh every chance they get. And so this is just the beginning of what we'll see a lot more of uh, the next two years under Republican control in the House. By gosh, I think I got it. <laughs> Genius. No, really, thank you for that. Of as we course. keep on top of that story, yeah. it, is, it is drama, daytime television. Yeah, I mean, so, sure. so far there's been four votes yeah. and counting, and he still hasn't got it. And so, wow. you know, we'll see what happens. Okay. So this might make you scratch your head, or it might make you say, hey, just show me the money. After a decades-long fight to return Bruce's Beach back to its rightful owners, the Bruce family now says it plans to sell the land back to L.A. County. 
Charles and Willa Bruce owned the property in the early 1900s and operated a resort for black residents. Then last summer, nearly a century after the city seized that land under imminent domain, LA County officials gave the land back to the family. But now the family says it plans to sell it back to the county for $20 million. How about that? Well, uh, from California to Washington, D.C., where Muriel, Mayor Muriel Bowser is calling on President Joe Biden to help resolve her city's rise in vacant office space and the lack of affordable housing by canceling work from home for federal workers. Mm -hmm. The proposal from the mayor is that Biden ends work from home telework policies for federal government workers or release vacant government buildings over to a new initiative to move 100,000 new residents into the city. Today, the federal government is responsible for one-third of properties owned or leased in Washington and a quarter of the city's jobs before the pandemic. Mayor Bowser, who was recently sworn in for her historic third term as the first black woman mayor uh, to serve three consecutive four-year terms, took over eight years ago with a commitment to end homelessness. Now, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but ma'am, <laughs> you better leave folks' home offices alone. This has been sort of kind of the run-of-the-mill thing, uh, the norm, the new norm uh, uh, during the pandemic and now uh, post-pandemic. Uh, and I use that post very, very lightly because we're still catching it uh, when it comes to cases. Um, but um, I find it interesting that now that she's been elected, this is uh, something new that she's introduced. And I think she'll ruffle a few feathers as people are very comfortable. And the stats show that uh, working from home has been pretty uh, productive and, and profitable uh, for corporations who, who don't have uh, overhead as far as brick and mortar is concerned and for employees who've been uh, producing more so better than than when they were sitting in the office. Yeah, and, and, and I'm sure that there are a number of people that voted for Mayor Bowser uh, that said, well, how come you weren't talking about this when you were running? Mm -hmm. you, didn't, you didn't say once you won, you know, you were going to call President Biden and say, in work from home, it might have influenced uh, some of those votes. You know, but, but even more importantly, I think it's just another reminder mm -hmm. that I think what people desire the most is flexibility, mm -hmm. right? And so it's not a matter of work from home or not work from home. I think people want the flexibility to be able to um, uh, work in ways that are conducive to caring for themselves, caring Lifestyle. for their family. That's right. Uh, and so it's going to be interesting to see how this shakes out because I'm sure there are plenty of other uh, cities across the country that are paying very close yeah. attention to what might happen in our nation's capital. Maybe the push could be to flip those abandoned buildings into housing. Yeah. Uh, you know, for, for the homeless. That yeah. could be a thought. Yeah. Yeah. Well, still ahead, erasing millions in medical debt. Can you believe it? We'll tell you which city is leading the initiative, because I'm on my way there, and uh, taking a large burden off of so many of us soulmates. We'll be right back. California law enforcement searched teenagers whom officers perceived to be black mm. at nearly six times the rate of teens believed to be white during vehicle and pedestrian stops in 2021. Now, the annual report by California's Racial Identity Profiling Advisory Board also found that police handcuffed, searched, or detained individuals whom they believed to be black youths between the ages of 15 and 17 during a higher percentage of traffic stops than any other combination of perceived race or ethnicity and age groups. The 58 agencies accounted for in the report, including the 23 largest departments in the state, collectively made more than 3.1 million vehicle and pedestrian stops back in 2021. By April, all of California's more than 500 law enforcement agencies must submit their data. The New Orleans City Council, following the footsteps of other local governments in Cook County, Illinois and Toledo, Ohio, passed a last minute line item in early December to the city's 2023 budget, a $1.3 million expenditure that's earmarked to be used to erase more than $100 million in medical debt for city residents. 
The city money will go to Rest in Peace Medical Debt, a New York-based nonprofit that buys outstanding debt from healthcare providers and collection agencies, typically for about a penny on the dollar. But instead of seeking profit, the organization sends out notices to consumers saying that their debt has been cleared. Four out of 10 Americans currently carry medical debt, which can impact one's financial and psychological well-being. Wow, that's good news. From the Big Easy to the Big Apple, as recreational cannabis is now legal in New York City. The state's first dispensary, dispensary uh, for adults age 21 and over opened on Thursday, uh, December 29th at, of course, 4.20 p.m. Uh, New York uh, City Mayor Eric Adams released a statement saying today marks a major milestone in our efforts to create the most equitable cannabis industry in the nation. The opening of the first legal dispensary uh, in our state uh, right here in New York City is more than just a promising step for this budding industry. It represents a new chapter for those most harmed by the failed policies of the past. It's the end of that quote. Now, according to news sources, the dispensary is the first but will uh, not be the last. 36 adult retail cannabis licenses have been issued in the state and cannabis delivery has also been approved in the state. How about those apples? Does that mean that uh, yes. DoorDash is going to be delivering cannabis now? No, I don't know. <laughs> I hope not. If Uber that, Eats? I don't know. Edibles? Grubhub? I don't know. That's a very interesting question. Inquiring minds want to know. Hey, New York City Mayor's Office, if you're, if you're watching, Fox will back before we want to know. I think what it does mean is that, you know, as the mayor referenced, it will, you know, alluded to, it will lighten up these, um, you know, minor uh, misdemeanors concerning um, cannabis now that uh, it has been deemed uh, legal. Uh, and probably free up a lot of folks' uh, records and things of that nature as those, those charges follow you, no matter how major or minor they are. So that's a good look. Yeah. And speaking of a good look, you know, uh, from the, the work that's happening on the local level in New York mm -hmm. to what's happening in places like Toledo, Ohio, and Cook County, Illinois, mm -hmm. and New Orleans, we just reported on the medical debt yeah. uh, that's being erased. What a really creative way for people to take advantage of some of the American Rescue Funds, which, as you know, sort of a one-time mm -hmm. deal from the federal government to uh, local governments across the country. People are uh, taking that money, Le local leaders are taking that money and using it to uh, erase the medical debt of, of their constituents. Um, you know, this is a movement that I mm -hmm. think uh, is going to be spreading across the country. We're already starting to see it take place in the Midwest and mm -hmm. the South. And, you know, I think it's a pretty good thing. And it's a it's good return on investment. It is. Right? And it's a movement that needs to uh, be taken notes from by way of legislators who are uh, messing up this uh, student relief thing. If, they, oh, if you yeah. can get it done, medically speaking, you can you can get it done when it comes to relieving people of this uh, massive student debt uh, loan out, that's uh, outstanding. So that's my thought on that. Take well, notes. Well, get it done. Well, definitely that's, that's good news for folks with medical debt. Hopefully mm -hmm. uh, some good news coming for folks with student loan debt. Mm -hmm. Now on to some good news for renters. Many places that experience rent increases are now seeing lower prices. Between April and October of last year, rents fell in Las Vegas, Phoenix, and Tampa. People may be more interested in renting because of higher mortgage rates and high home prices. Prices to rent may also fall because almost a half a million new apartment units coming online this year. That's the most since 1986. And products from a black-owned hairline has become a hot find, but apparently white women are making it difficult for black women to get their hands on the product made for natural hair. Miel Rosemary Oil has been circulating on TikTok and videos posted by a ton of white influencers who showcase the product as a part of their hair care routines. Alex Earl, a white TikToker with 3.2 million followers, posted a Get Ready With Me video to her page where she shared with her followers the tremendous hair growth she experienced after using the oil for a little over a month. This reportedly caused controversy with some black women who called white women out for shopping on the ethnic hair product aisles, while other black women really didn't seem to care too much. I actually witnessed that myself. I was in you know, Target. Um, Where? Target. And I was looking for some things on the, in, in, on the, you know, ethnic black hair aisle. Uh -huh. And, 
And I saw sister, uh, and I said, okay. And I actually saw her pick that product out. Really? So, you know, when you talk about the power yeah. of influence yeah. and, and someone having 3.2 million followers saying, hey, this is working for me, you best believe that folks are gonna, you know, run out the doors and, and go pick up these things regardless of who it may be meant for. I'm sure the makers are not complaining because that's yeah. sales, but at does the, it really matter? Should it really matter? That is, it shouldn't matter because at the end of the day, you know, there's a black owned business that has created a product that people of all stripes in the marketplace really enjoy and need and so I think it's fundamentally a good thing yeah I, I you know but on the other side of that I asked that question because I think it does matter because as a black woman with that kind of hair and I'm going to a particular store to look for it I feel like it should be there and the only reason it isn't there is because maybe other black women have made it sell out. But what, no? if, but what if other black women uh, aren't purchasing the product? I mean, it, you know, it, it's, it's a product that's me being made available in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if anybody wants it, right? I mean, if, if pet owners mm -hmm. decide that, wow, this is really good for my dog's dandruff, mm -hmm. right? They should be able to pick it up too, right? But we talking about black hair. And more specifically, black women's hair. If I were to take these tracks off, honey, and you would see the, the you know, I, I would I would need these products specifically that speak to the needs of my specific hair. So I see your point, yeah. but I also see why a lot of black women are a little mad. And then I think it throws it back to, can we just have something to ourselves? I think it, it throws it back to that to that thought. But I'm happy for the company mm -hmm. if it affects their bottom line. We want to see it's black owned, so we want to see that success, of course. But I get I get the back and forth with come on now can I can I go get the product for my hair when I need it without there being some sort of interference from s someone who who the product product wasn't necessarily yeah. designed for I would just apply a lens of abundance I think we're looking at this through a lens of scarcity you know what if we applied a, a you know an abundant lens and and what if uh, the outcome of this is mm -hmm. that stores like Target, mm -hmm. you know, say to these hair care uh, 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 companies that we're going to order more of your yeah. product because more so people. So it's just not one. It's just not one aisle. Yeah. It's about three or four aisles. That's of right. Black hair care That's products. right. We okay. believe in abundance. We, we, here. we agree to disagree. <laughs> Mama, coming up, putting more of an emphasis on black maternal health. That's right. We're going to tell you which men's sporting team is starting the conversation. You're watching Fox Soul's Black Report. We'll be back in a moment. It better be on the shelf. Welcome back, Soulmates. If you're just joining us, let's uh, take it back to the top as we reintroduce some of our top headlines. In Detroit, the search is on for a carjacking suspect who killed his victim. A video from a nearby store shows the suspect and the area where 53-year-old Tracy Golden was shot and killed during this carjacking. The suspect took off with her 2018 charcoal gray Dodge Journey. Golden later died from her injuries at the hospital that she actually worked at. Uh, police are working with the community on leads. We'll keep you updated on this developing story. Frank James, who opened fire on a Brooklyn subway train last year, wounding 10 passengers, pleaded guilty to federal terrorism charges. James had also posted online that he was the, quote, prophet of doom and admitted to pulling the trigger on the Manhattan-bound train as it moved between stations on April 12th of last year. He's charged with 10 counts of terrorism as prosecutors are working to extend his sentencing. And the governor of the U.S. Virgin Islands has fired the attorney general of the U.S. territory, and many say it's because of her most recent lawsuit. The removal of Denise George comes days after she filed a lawsuit against J.P. Morgan Chase in New York and accused the company of helping Epstein uh, finance the illegal exploitation of women and children in the U.S. Virgin Islands and beyond. That's Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, Governor Albert Bryan Jr. did not provide a reason for relieving George of her duties. George will be replaced by Assistant Attorney General Carol Thomas Jacobs. And finally, Washington, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser is calling on President Joe Biden to help resolve her city's rise in vacant office space and lack of affordable housing by canceling work from home for federal workers. Now, the proposal from the mayor is that 
Biden ends work from home telework policies for federal government workers or release vacant government buildings over to a new initiative to move 100,000 new residents into the city. Today, the federal government is responsible for one third of properties owned or released in Washington, D.C., and a quarter of the city's jobs before the pandemic. The quarter lie back to you. Thank you, Courtney. Now to Rosewood, Florida, where many are reflecting on the seven darkest days for the city during the start of 1923. The pain of these families was depicted in the 1997 film by John Singleton about an angry mob of white men nearly wiping the town off the map. Now work is being done to honor the black Americans who lived in Rosewood during the massacre as community members have a different story to tell about resilience and change. Take a look. The old John Wright house is a solemn reminder of what Rosewood is and was. A destroyed town, no blacks live there anymore, where emptiness resides in the silent sacred breeze. Life there no more, only nature's moss hung trees. The Wright house is weathered by the heavy hand of time. It's one of the only things left after the Rosewood Massacre of 1923. The house and the stories. In 1992, I started speaking about Rosewood. I have been speaking ever since. Lizzie Jenkins' aunt, Mahalda Gussie Brown Carrier, narrowly survived. On January 1st, 1923, a white woman falsely claimed a black man attacked her. Enraged by the claim, an angry mob of white men torched the town. Five black people were killed, families scattered for safety. The only home not touched in Rosewood was Wright's. The white store owner hid survivors in his house until they could catch trains out of town to safety, a story Jenkins has put to song. The sheriff and the store owner worked around the clock. Informed the train conductors just when and where to stop. It was a risky task for White and Sheriff Robert Walker to coordinate as white men as racial tension bubbled. Jenkins is now working to raise $600,000 to relocate the house to a little over 30 miles northeast to the town of Archer in Alachua County. It's her aunt's hometown. She plans to turn the right home into a museum named in her aunt's honor. We're going to shelter that house just as he sheltered the Rosewood survivors. But if we, if we only take one board, <laughs> two boards, windows and doors, we are going to move the house. We're taking history home. Randy Hildreth, Fox News. Although it's a history that hasn't always been told, 60 Minutes finally told the story in 1983. Since then, Jenkins brought the memories to life and will have a centennial commemoration hosted by her nonprofit, The Real Rosewood Foundation, set for this Saturday. I will, I will admit that I had never heard about um, Rosewood until John Singleton mm -hmm. uh, made the movie. Uh, and then it prompted me to, because I heard about, you know, you know, race riots, and and you hear about um, Black Wall Street uh, within various cities across uh, the country, um, but didn't know about Rosewood in particular. And uh, it just made me really do some research and, and take a look at, um, you know, how destructive and evil uh, these acts were uh, back at this at, at this time, and all of the stories that keep coming up. I think speaks to the fact that even though it may have been over a century ago or you know hundreds of years ago a couple of generations ago the fallout is still very fresh yeah and uh, we're still dealing with it yeah I mean it and was healing trying to heal a hundred years ago a mm -hmm. hundred years ago and you're right the healing continues but I really uh, love how uh, the descendants uh, of uh, the folks of Rosewood and folks who have taken interest in in the story mm -hmm. um, have really change the narrative mm -hmm. and uh, are really tapping into some resilience and you know are really using this history as a teachable moment and the timing of this couldn't be better mm -hmm. um, as there are so many examples across the country of folks um, 
uh, of cities moving forward with plans for reparations. You have uh, Confederate monuments that are coming down and uh, some of the hidden figures uh, of our community mm -hmm. uh, are being celebrated in the form of monuments. Mm -hmm. And so, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think John Singleton uh, really unleashed the power of narrative yeah. change. Mm -hmm. You know, when we learn these stories, when we change the narrative, uh, these sorts of marvelous work uh, are possible. That's right. And speaking of examples, the statue of Henrietta Lacks, uh, whose cells were used without her consent in critical medical research, will replace a monument to Confederate General Robert E. Lee in Roanoke, Virginia. Now, according to a news source, a statue dedicated to Lacks and her uh, contribution to science will be erected in Roanoke. Uh, which is Lax's hometown. This will happen uh, this coming fall. Now, the plaza, previously known as Lee Plaza, has also been renamed to Lax Plaza in her honor. The National Urban League is commending the Attorney General's office for changing long-standing policies from the war on drugs era, but want Congress to act. Mark Morial, President and CEO of the National Urban League, released the following statement. He said, quote, while we applaud the DOJ's efforts, the pressure must now be placed at Congress's doorstep. Last year, the House of Representatives passed the Equal Act, a bill that would permanently eliminate the sentencing disparity in crack and powder cocaine cases. He went on to say, despite having the support needed to pass the the uh, Senate, the legislation has been stalled. We urge the Senate to prioritize bringing the Equal Act to the floor to ensure these sentencing guidelines become law. All right, to a little bit of sports, sort of, kind of. Former Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice has been asked to be a part of the Denver Broncos search committee for its new head coach. Rice is a well-known figure in football circles as she was the only female on the college football playoff selection committee between 2013 and 2016. Now in 2014, Rice uh, Business Insider reported watched 14 or 15 college games per week as a part of her work with the committee. That's a lot of football. Now, Rice will help the Broncos find the team a new head coach and is sure to be part of the interview process, which will likely begin after the Super Bowl, which will be in February. Howard University's men's basketball program has decided to take on a cause for women for their team's social justice project. According to HBCU Game Day, the Howard University men's basketball players will take on the issue of black maternal health and the implications of the Roe v. Wade reversal on black women. The team will kick off their volunteer effort during their MLK Day game versus Morehouse College. Howard University's basketball program has partnered with uh, Mama Mato Village, an organization dedicated to black women and maternal health. The duo will host a community event Sunday, January 15th to package pregnancy care kits for the community. We love to see it. Yeah, uh, great way to, service Way to project. see the brothers stepping up. Mm -hmm. On behalf uh, and, of the ladies. And showing up and showing out. We and love it. Uh, we want to see more of it. Yeah, we, you remember, speaking of um, maternal and, and pregnancies, remember we were talking about Summer Walker? Yeah. Um, I didn't know she was pregnant with twins. Mm -hmm. uh, she had those babies uh, with the help of your fave, Erica Badu. So congratulations to her. That came to mind as you were uh, reading that story. So it's good to see, um, you know, the, the, the brothers um, you know, have our backs, yeah. uh, take some initiative and mm -hmm. show some concern. Uh, you you got to love it. Yeah. And it's, just, it's, it. and it's also another example of how, you know, these issues, you know, are um, they're timely issues. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're issues that that the next generation is really leaning into. And so mm -hmm. it's great to see, you know, folks engaged on issues related to women's reproductive health, women's reproductive freedom yeah. uh, and maternal health. Um, and I think it can't be lost on us that, you know, having folks like Serena Williams, who's mm -hmm. been so public about you know, some of the challenges that she oh, had in delivery, right. um, you know, among so many other courageous women, it's really made a difference and it's inspiring the next generation to do their part. That's right. We love to see it. Love to see it. You know what else we love to see? What's that? We want more stories here on Foxhole's Black Report and we're gonna deliver them. There's more coming up next right here on the Black Report. Yeah, man. Shannon Sharp was missing mm. from Undisputed, which he co-hosts with Skip 
Bayless. Sharp was not on the show following a controversial tweet Bayless posted following DeMar Hamlin's medical emergency Monday night. Yeah, Bayless tweeted, quote, no doubt the NFL is considering postponing the rest of this game, but how? This late in the, in the season, a game of this magnitude is crucial to the regular season outcome, which suddenly seems so irrelevant. Now, many felt Bayless's tweet was tasteless and that uncertainty over Hamlin's well-being was the focus, not the game. So we fast forward to now and TMZ is reporting that Sharp was upset over his co-host's tweet, which might have led to him skipping the show when Undisputed went on air earlier today. Sharp was noticeably upset and the two clashed. It was a huge argument. My, our, our producer was listening to it. I could hear it from across the hall. Bayless did go ahead and apologize for his comments. Comedians Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle are heading out on the road together for another joint headlining tour. The tour kicks off January 20th in Oklahoma City and will include five dates in cities across Missouri, Tennessee, Alabama, and South Carolina. Now, the two previously headlined a tour, a tour together back in December of 2022. Rock and Chappelle are known for their comic routines that speak on topics like politics, racism, and cultural hypocrisy, as well as gender identity. Hmm. Bill Cosby is hoping to put his legal troubles aside and get back on the road next year as well. Now, in a recent radio interview, Cosby said, quote, when I come out of this, I feel that I will be able to perform and be the Bill Cosby that my audience knows me to be. The 85-year-old's last live stage appearance was back in May of 2015 in Atlanta. It was uh, part of the Far From Finished tour. Cosby was also set to release his stand-up special on Netflix, but was canceled. Uh, it was canceled when allegations of sexual assault arose. He was later convicted of a sexual, uh, criminal sexual assault back in April of 2018. He was released from prison in 2021 after his conviction was overturned by the Pennsylvania State Supreme Court. Now, Cosby's legal problems are far from over. Five women have recently filed a sexual assault lawsuit against him and NBC. Earlier uh, uh, last year, Cosby lost a civil trial when a woman claimed she was forced to perform a sex act on him when she was just 16. The jury awarded her $500,000. Mm -hmm. I think part of the issue here is that, you know, it's a it's a mixed bag. Mm -hmm. um, yes, you know, Cosby's been accused and uh, convicted and then his conviction was thrown out by the court. Um, and now there are new charges, right? And we want to emphasize, you know, their allegations. He hasn't been convicted uh, a second time. Um, and, you know, None of this is any laughing matter. And mm -hmm. so the idea that with all of this cloud hanging over him, that he's going to go out on a comedy tour, um, I can see exactly why, you know, people are like, you know, sir, you know. Um, have several seats. Have a seat. Right. You know, let sleeping dogs lie. Hmm. Right. Hmm. Uh, and, and it feels like uh, he might be sort of reawakening, uh, you know, a lot of the, the, uh, uh, discussion uh, around uh, his choices especially with pending pending lawsuits you know with these with these five women you know coming forth um, filing what they have filed and then I'm questioning is he physically capable of, of handling a tour um, uh, it seems as though his sight is compromised mm -hmm. his mobility seems to be uh, you know compromised and that's not to say someone who is you know 82 can be you know funky fresh and juicy however when you've taken a look at him coming in and out of um, you know the court or when he was actually released from prison um, he just didn't look to be in the best of health um, I'm not sure if it's if it's a money thing. Uh, from what I understand, his finances are still intact. So it, it is really uh, insult to injury. At least uh, you know clear out what his what remains on his docket, legally speaking, and then maybe think about a tour. But right now, in the midst of even more lawsuits, 
uh, I don't I don't think it's quite uh, apropos, if you will. Yeah, yeah, and 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 who knows, man? I think there are people out there that say, you know, it's a little bit comedy tour. If you if you were to do anything, mm -hmm. you know, maybe it's a documentary that's sort of laying out, you know, your side uh, of the story. Your side of the story, mm -hmm. you know, assuming that maybe there are things that you know were not admitted in court that we don't know about. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but certainly in the court of public opinion, mm -hmm. uh, this one doesn't seem to be landing uh, so yeah. well. But we'll continue to keep our eye on it. Yeah, I'm gonna need his PR people to raise up. <laughs> and do something about that uh, and deter him. Okay, one of the biggest hits of 2022 was Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which was released in cinemas at the beginning of November and pulled in over $800 million at the box office. After some confusion over when the film was going to be released on Disney+, Plus, a U.S. release date of Wednesday, February the 1st has been announced. There you have it. While an international release date hasn't yet been announced, it's likely to be the same global release date similar to the previous Marvel uh, Studios release dates with Black Panther Wakanda Forever set to arrive on Disney+, Plus on February 1st. It means the film took 82 days from a theatrical release to Disney+. Plus. This is the longest amount of time between a theatrical release and Disney Plus release for any film in phase four, which means all the, all the ooey gooey goodness that they pack along with it as they release it to uh, streaming. There you go. Had to look that up myself. <laughs> Thank you for that, You're Courtney. Uh, now uh, off to the Golden State where basketball wife Aisha Curry is trying to help those wanting a healthier lifestyle in the new year. Curry has kickstarted a new food tracking nutrition app for 2023 in partnership with MyFitnessPal, along with insights from nutrition and fitness experts and the best advice from the more than 200 million MyFitnessPal members. Curry shares how small daily changes can translate to big, meaningful health transformations. Whether your goal is to lose weight, gain weight, build muscle, or simply just change your eat eating habits. Uh, one of the highlights in her program is discovering Aisha Curry's go-to pantry and fridge staples that she keeps on hand to whip up easy, nutritious meals in a pinch. The app is available now for download. Just search MyFitnessPal and you're going to find all of Curry's New Year's tips. Yeah, she looks absolutely fabulous. All righty, Robin, well, she always looks fabulous. Robin uh, Roberts has gone public with her plan to marry her longtime partner. Uh, she refers to her as Sweet Amber. Uh, the Good Morning America co-anchor initially said she was, quote, hesitating because, quote, I haven't said it out loud yet. Roberts continued by saying we're getting married this year. She and her partner have been together since uh, 2005 and Roberts also shared that uh, her partner was battling uh, breast cancer. Uh, Robin's, Robert Roberts, Roberts uh, also went on to say that uh, she was a cancer survivor herself, as many of us know, and shared the news that her partner had completed a portion of her treatment. Roberts wrote in the caption of a video on her Instagram account, which showed her partner ringing the bell to signify the end of her treatment, saying, we both thank you for all your well wishes and prayers. Proud of her and all fellow thrivers for your grit and grace during a challenging time. Congratulations. It's the 90s love connection we <laughs> never knew we needed. Mm. TLC's Chili has officially confirmed her relationship with Boy Meets World star Matthew Lawrence. All right, the pair posted a video of them dancing to uh, Aha's song, uh, Take On Me, in matching PJs. Matthew captioned the video, New Year's shenanigans. Mm. According to TMZ, the couple spent the holidays together in Atlanta. Isn't How that beautiful? Very nice. Go, kind of chilly go. Of, um Oh, Tay Diggs and April and all the shenanigans and uh -huh. dancing and how they sort of kind of came out with their with their relationship. You know, I'm happy for Chili. She she if I'm not mistaken, this this guy and, and me and Chili about the same age, uh -huh. early 50s. Um, but this guy might be about 10 years or so, maybe younger uh, than her. So she loves a younger guy. And, and what I love about it is you don't see any discrepancies in the look. Chili looks fantastic. I know she's always been like a, a fitness yeah. fitness girl and uh, she has maintained and I'm happy for her. She deserves it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember back in the day when, when Chili was dating Usher. Yeah, why do people still want them together? You know, like, I, I think aesthetically they just, they look, they look like a really cute couple. But that was almost couple. like 20 years. 
years ago. Yeah, we I gotta think, get over that. Yeah, I think people are just holding on to hope. I guess so. Uh -huh. Now Usher, you know, the one the reverse is always seems is always always liked an older woman. You know, so it made sense because <laughs> he went. You know what I'm saying? Uh -huh. Usher likes something real grown, real grown and mature. <laughs> so Usher, next time you're in Detroit, <laughs> come on by Fox Old Black Report. We're going to talk about that. Plenty of grown woman upstairs on the second floor. <laughs> <laughs> Still ahead, Black Excellence. It's a father-daughter's <sighs> dance that's taking them right to the bank. Fifty and up, baby. Fifty and up. We'll tell you how one family is making a fortune from McDonald's. 50 plus, baby, we got this. <laughs>right, soulmates, Trina Bidiaco and her father, Tillman Brown, are the founders and owners of New Horizons Baking, a black family-owned business based in Norwalk, Ohio, that's been a supplier of baked goods to over 5,000 restaurants, including McDonald's, since the late 1960s. That's amazing. Now, in 2002, Brown asked his daughter, who was then uh, working in telecommunications, to join the family business for 16 years. She learned about the business while working under dad before eventually becoming CEO in 2017. One of their longtime clients is McDonald's, to whom they supply baked goods like the English muffins and the hamburger buns. Mm-hmm. Bidiaco currently oversees four facilities with more than 500 employees, which was twice the number when she started at the company and has made developments to emphasize a more positive employee experience, which she believes has led to the company's growing sales revenue. Very nice. Who knew? We love to see it. I mean, yeah. so now when you pull up to McDonald's and you order that, that English muffin, in the that, English in breakfast muffin, right? Mm -hmm. Right? You know, you're going to think about yeah this black owned business, yeah. this family that is, uh, uh, you know, going strong you generation by generation. You don't think about that too much. My, my dad did the same. Uh, he supplied produce for Burger King in, in this particular oh. area. So uh, it's, you know, it's something that folks don't think about until you watch Fox Souls Black Report and continue with some <laughs> black excellence. Uh, Tamara Walcott says she will never forget the day she stepped on the scale and it read 415 pounds. She says she didn't even recognize herself and she actually stopped looking at the mirror in the mirror for a very long time. That's the mirror, right. Oh, that's sorry. right. That's no, right. It's your no, turn. No, that's right. No, no, no. The, mm -hmm. no. the Maryland mom says that growing up, she was bigger than most kids, but was athletic during her school years. Back home in St. Croix, as life progressed, she said one of her biggest mistakes was not making herself a priority. And in 2017, she decided enough is enough. She started weight training and within a few years became one of the strongest women in the world. All right, my turn again. In September of 2021, Walcott broke the world record for heaviest raw deadlift in the world by a woman by lifting 636 pounds, then broke her own record earlier uh, in that year, lifting 639 pounds. Along the way, she's lost more than 140 pounds and says that was never really the focus, but empowering herself to take control of her life is what she really wanted to focus in on. And we can use that at the top of this new year mm -hmm. to keep us motivated in whatever area and aspect of our life, we need some motivation. You know, I just, this is a great next level story, yes. right? And it's no time like the present for whatever it is mm -hmm. that we aim to do in 2023 to take it to the next level. That's right. That's what we intend to do right here on Fox Souls Black That's Report. That's right. Until next time, I'm Nicordelai Corte. And I'm Courtney Hicks. Stay lifted. Stay lifted.